This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Acts chapter 16, we have where Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and continue to speak to our hearts as we look deeply into it now. Thank you for the privilege we have of seeing how your Holy Spirit worked in the founding of uh, these early churches. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit work in our day through us, that people may come to know the Lord and that other churches may be established and that uh, many may grow in Christ and shine brightly for him as a witness in this dark and depraved world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today's message in the series, The Church in Action, A Journey Through Acts, is how the gospel changes people. How the gospel changes people. And what's so incredibly exciting about this is that we have these beautiful portraits in Acts 16. How the gospel changes people. The gospel changes young people. As we're going to see, he changed Timothy, who was most likely a teenager at the time. The gospel changes wealthy people, like Lydia, who was a seller of purple uh, dyed clothing. And then the gospel changes poor people, like the female slave, who was demon-possessed and made money for her masters by fortune-telling. The gospel changes a middle-class person, like the jailer. Let's look at these incredible changes that the gospel brought about. First of all, Acts 16, verse 1. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra. And it was at Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Now, what we learn about Timothy is that he was very young, most likely a teenager at the time, because even 15 years later, when Paul is writing to him as a young pastor, he's calling him young. So he was even younger at this time. What does this say to you and me? 
it says that we should always be looking out for young people to disciple, to train in ministry. How do you train people who are young in ministry? Bring them along with you. Whatever you're doing for the Lord, whether it's visiting someone in the hospital or it's uh, uh, going and sharing the gospel door to door or um, serving in a um, mission to the poor, the homeless, take people with you. Let them see your example. Well, Timothy was the product of a Jewish mother and a Greek father. And according to the grammar, it was most likely that his father was already deceased. So just his mother was there. And we know from where it says in 2 Timothy, Paul writes, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So you may remember that Paul went to Lystra on the first missionary journey. And it was there, after healing a man who was born lame, he was not able to walk at all, they praised him as a god. But then the people turned on him, led by the uh, Jewish people who were in opposition of Paul, and they stoned him. And they dragged what they thought his dead body out of town, out of Lystra. And the disciples gathered around Paul and miraculously he got up and he went back into Lystra. Some think that it was during that time going back to Lystra that Timothy and his family came to faith in Christ. Isn't that an amazing story? That Thanks to Paul's dogged determination to preach the gospel no matter what, and God's supernatural power enabling him, he was able, even after being stoned nearly to death, to go back to Lystra. And one of the products of that was that a young man, a teenager named Timothy, came to Christ. It changed his life. First of all, it changed his grandmother's life, um, Lois, then it changed his mother's life, Eunice, then it changed his life. What does this say for you and me? The gospel has the power to change entire families. The gospel has the power to change the trajectory of generations. You ever see a picture where you have the uh, grandmother and the mother and the baby all in one picture? You have three generations. Here you have the grandmother the mother, and the little uh, boy, Timothy, all in one picture, a picture of faith. Each one has to believe for themselves, but they can pass the baton of faith on because they have a living faith. Praise God for the power of the gospel that transformed this family. Well, Paul felt that Timothy would be a good apprentice, a good ministry assistant, so he invited Timothy to join with him on what would be the second missionary journey. So here's Paul and Silas and now young Timothy. What happened to John Mark? Well, you could read about that at the end of Acts 15, that Barnabas 
and Paul had a sharp dispute about the role of John Mark. Since John Mark had deserted them uh, at Pamphylia, uh, Paul felt he was unworthy of gospel work. He's a quitter. He goes back home to mommy. He's homesick. I don't want someone like that on my team. But Barnabas, being the son of encouragement that he is, and the cousin of John Mark, took John Mark and they went to Cyprus, whereas Paul and Silas took Timothy and they went to Derby. So the gospel transformed a young person. Do you know young people today who need the Lord? There are so many. So many young people are being sucked up by social media, by uh, appearance, by music, and uh, other influences that are ungodly. Young people need the Lord. And if there's any encouragement here, it's this. We can pray that God touch young people and that God blesses parents and grandparents in their role of influence in the lives of young people. When I visited my uh, grandson, Benjamin Liu, in Dallas, my daughter and her husband asked me to dedicate him unto the Lord. They go to a mega church, and there's just too many young families, and they don't do that. We went to a local park, and I want you to know what an honor it was to hold my seven-month-old grandson, Benjamin Liu, in my arms and just commit him unto the Lord, praying that he would come to faith in Christ at an early age and that he would live for the Lord and love the Lord and serve the Lord. It was a beautiful moment. I know you have that kind of influence in your family's lives, and may your living faith be passed on like a baton to your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. The gospel transforms lives and families. Now, before we get into the next one, I want to make a note, because I was challenged by John Baca. In Acts chapter 16, we have these interesting verses where the Holy Spirit told Paul and Silas and Timothy that they were not to go in a certain direction. In verse 6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, that's not Asia as in China, but Asia Minor as in modern-day Turkey although this would eventually happen. So why did the Holy Spirit forbid Paul to preach in Asia Minor when Jesus said, go into all the world? Well, the point here is that God knows what he's about, and we need to listen to him. Not, that, not only did Paul receive a no, don't go in that direction, in verse 7, he received another no, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. Notice that the Holy Spirit is also known as the Spirit of Jesus. 
he is one of another of the same kind as Jesus is in our hearts and the holy spirit leads us today have you ever been warned by the holy spirit not to do something or not to go somewhere the holy spirit is who whom we are to listen to and as you develop a soft heart and a quick ability to listen you can hear the Holy Spirit speak through the Word of God, speak through other believers, speak through circumstances, and speak even through dreams to say, no, don't go there, don't do that, and we need to listen. Sometimes no is a hard word for us to accept. We want to go no matter what. We want to find a way to force something to happen. But God has his perfect timing. God has his purposes and his reasons for why he says no. Did he not care about these people? That's not the case, because the gospel will go to them. Let me propose to you this, that after they were walking hundreds of miles, praying, God, where do you want us to go? Spending several days waiting upon the Lord. The Lord gave a dream, a vision to Paul. And that vision was of man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. Come and help us. God gave direction by the Holy Spirit to Paul and his missionary team. They were to go to Macedonia, which is in Greece. And they immediately obeyed. And they got on a ship and headed there straight with. So we praise God that they listened to the Lord. You see, God knew that he had hearts that were prepared to receive Jesus Christ. God knew there were divine appointments that they were to make and meet. God knew that Dr. Luke would be waiting for them in Philippi, and he wanted that connection to happen because dr luke is writing the book of acts and you'll see in verse 10 that he includes himself in this narrative we and us so never question the wisdom of god listen to god's wisdom follow god's wisdom accept his no for now and trust he's got a better purpose and a better reason now let's go to the second conversion, and that is the gospel not only changes young people, the gospel changes wealthy people. In Acts chapter 16, verse 14, it says, One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. You see, Paul and Silas and Timothy and now Dr. Luke were there in Philippi, which was a Roman colony, and uh, Claudius, Emperor Claudius, just a year earlier, had expelled all Jews from Philippi. But there were still a remnant of a few Jewish women and some God-fearers. Lydia was a Gentile, and she was a God-fearer. And they met 
one or two miles out of town by the river for a prayer meeting. In order to establish a synagogue, you had to have 10 Jewish men. They didn't even have 10 Jewish men. So the second best that they can do is have a prayer, prayer meeting, and this was a prayer meeting of women. That's where Paul and his missionary team went, and that's where they, he shared the gospel. There's where Lydia, a very wealthy woman, heard the gospel, and notice it says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. You know, she was very capable. She was very intelligent. She was an entrepreneur. Doesn't mention anything about her husband. She was probably supporting her children and her uh, parents. Uh, she came from Thyatira, which specialized in dyeing cloth. And purple was a very uh, rare color used by royalty. So she got a lot of money for the purple clothing that she sold, and she was quite wealthy. You can be wealthy and sense no need of God. You can be wealthy and suffer from the love of money, which is the root of all evil. You can be wealthy and be distracted by the cares and riches of this world. But she was a worshiper of God. She was already entering into the Jewish faith because she knew she was missing something. No matter how much she had of wealth, she knew there was a hole in her heart that only God could fill. And praise the Lord, when she heard this message from Paul, God opened her heart so she could respond. And she trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the moment she trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it changed her life. And she says in verse 15, when uh, she and her, the members of her household were baptized, she said, she invited uh, Paul and his missionary team to her home, and she said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Immediately, she realized that everything she had was a gift from the Lord. And everything she had belonged to the Lord, including her large, spacious house. And she wanted to immediately share what she had with fellow believers. And she said, be my guest. Come and stay at my house. Now this is huge because we're going to see in verse 40 that after um, she was, um, Paul and Silas were beaten with bundles of rods uh, and they got out of jail, where did they go? But to Lydia's house. And also, the church at Philippi would meet in her large home. So here's a wealthy person who uh, trusted in Christ and gave her wealth in a way to serve Christ and his church. Praise God for that transformation. Well, the gospel changes the young, it changes the wealthy, and it changes the poor. In Acts 16, verse 16, it says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Now, in the original Greek, it says 
that she had the spirit of Python. You need to know that in the Oracle of Delphi, uh, that uh, Apollo in uh, Greek mythology killed this python snake that was guarding it and thereby got the power to predict the future. And pythonesses would be women who would have the spirit of Apollo that was like a, a python to predict the future. And it was kind of a muttering and whispering kind of prediction, a throwing of their voice like a ventriloquist. And that's what this gal had. But when they went into their ecstatic ability to predict the future, which was inspired by the devil and demons, uh, they would shriek and go into a frenzy. Now, this is important to know because she followed Paul and the rest of us, including Dr. Luke, shouting. I think the better word is shrieking. Can you imagine Paul and his missionary team, everywhere they went to share the gospel, this demon-possessed woman with the spirit of Python, Python girl, would shriek, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. It was a terrible thing. And the word Most High God could refer to Zeus. It could refer to the God of the Jews. So it was misleading. And she kept doing this day after day after day. And Paul finally confronted her. And uh, he was so annoyed. The word annoyed is an unfortunate translation. He was so deeply troubled that this demon-possessed woman was misleading people and was under the possession of the devil that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her and she was delivered. And we assume that she came to Christ and was part of the Philippian church along with Lydia, the first convert in Europe. So right now you can already see the contrast of how the gospel reaches people of different backgrounds, people of different spiritual conditions, from a religious woman to a demon-possessed woman, the gospel liberated them both. Praise be to God. Now, you would think this would be a moment of great celebration, but it wasn't because the owners of this slave girl were not going to be making any money anymore off of her doing her fortune-telling. By the way, fortune-telling is spoken about very clearly in the Bible as forbidden. We are not to go to a fortune-teller. We are not to read the um, um, astronomy um, kind of predictions. We're not to be living uh, in a way that um, goes after the occult, like seances and, and other things like that. That is of the devil. We're to stay far from that. But this woman who was delivered was no longer a source of income for her master, so the masters uh, dragged Paul and Silas before the magistrates and complained that they were stirring up trouble, which they weren't doing, and they were teaching something against the laws and the customs of the Romans, which they were, because the, the Romans were very much followers of Apollo and of the Python spirit. 
Well, the magistrates made a quick decision to have Paul and Silas beaten. And they were beaten by a bundle of rods. And it would just rip the skin on their backs. And there was no limit to the number of uh, lashes that they would get. And after they were severely beaten, they were committed to the jailer. And the jailer was told to watch out for them because they're dangerous. And we read in Acts 16, 23-24, that after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now imagine Paul and Silas, who are bleeding and they're bruised and their backs are ripped uh, with uh, the skin just hanging off there, and their feet are stuck in stocks that spread their legs in a very uncomfortable position and cause cramping. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, that would be a moment where I would think that complaining would be allowed. But instead, what do Paul and Silas do? They start singing praise to God. Merlin Crothers wrote a book, From Prison to Praise, where he said, are you in a prison? You need to praise God and he'll lift you right out of that prison. You can go from prison to praise, just like Paul and Silas did. They started praising God and singing hymns unto him, and the fellow inmates were listening. What's going on? How could they, after being severely flogged, how could they after being put in the most uh, innermost cell, after having their feet put in the stocks, be singing. I don't get it. They've got a joy and they have a peace that I want. Well, as they sang, the foundations of the jail were shaken and all of the shackles and the stocks broke wide open. And the jailer, who was sound asleep, woke up, assumed that everyone had escaped and was going to commit suicide because he would be disgraced and executed if any of the prisoners escaped. And he assumed that they all had. But Paul says, no, stop, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And so he lights a lantern and he sees that all the prisoners are still there right next to their shackles. And he is so overcome by the miraculous nature of what has just occurred, that he says to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And uh, Paul says to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Now, some people teach household salvation, that if one person in a family receives Christ, all of them are going to receive Christ, and that's not necessarily true. And some people teach that if an older person receives Christ, like the head of the family, then everyone else is saved, and including the babies, and that's not true either. The point here is that each of the family members heard the presentation of the gospel 
and we're old enough to understand it and to respond to it personally and individually. And that's what happened here. Not only did the jailer trust in Jesus Christ, but so did his household. Now, household includes family, servants, and guests. So that whole clan trusted in Christ. And you could see the transformation in the jailer. A jailer who was calloused, a jailer who didn't think anything about inflicting horrible pain on his prisoners, who slept like a baby because he had a seared and callous conscience, was now transformed. And it says in Acts 16, 34, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. He went from uh, being a sadistic uh, warden to being a merciful caregiver. That's a miracle. The transformation that occurred in his life. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized and the jailer brought them into his house and he set a meal before them and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Praise be to God for the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It changed a young man named Timothy as it did his grandmother and his mother. It changed a wealthy woman named Lydia. It changed a poor woman, a slave girl with the spirit of Python. And it changed a jailer. Praise God for the power of the gospel. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word. 